All right, what's up, guys? Ian Cummings here with the Rigos Rag Podcast. Last week, we talked with Ben Vasconcelos uh, on Jay Gruden. So if you want to check that out, go on the uh, website. It should be up there. Today, we have Ken Johansson. He's also a contributor at Rigos Rag here with us today. Ken, how you doing? Doing good. How are you? I'm doing good, Ken. Thank you for asking. Now, Ken, uh, he put out a roster projection earlier this week. We got some questions lined up for you, Ken. We're going to put you on the spot. I'll start with the quarterback position. I saw that you had Kevin Hogan as the third guy, and uh, I know a lot of people have been kind of on the fence with that. I agree with you. Just tell me your thought process, you know, why you kept Hogan, because I know we have a lot of depth at other positions on the team, so, you know, maybe just keeping two quarterbacks, we could keep another guy elsewhere, but what makes you want Kevin Hogan to stick around? Well, it's not so much that I want Kevin Hogan. I just go back to last year. We had a young quarterback we added to the team from Indiana, and now that particular player is wearing a Super Bowl ring with the <laughs> Eagles. I'm not saying that Kevin Hogan brings us that kind of luck this season, but we drafted him to be someone, be a long-term backup. And I think last year, uh, going back to the Eagles, we saw what happened in having a reliable backup. I'm not I'm not saying Kevin Hogan is there, but I think the Redskins might have learned their lesson and will try to keep Hogan on the roster and not try to put him on waivers the week before a game and hoping they can stash him on the practice squad. <laughs> that's just that's my thinking. Yeah, does the age play a factor at all cuz I know Alex Smith, I think he's like 34, Colt McCoy's 32. I mean, you know, having a young guy in there who's got upside, we know what Jay Gruden's been able to do with quarterbacks. Does that play a role? You think maybe down the line he could be this team's long-term backup, kind of like Colt McCoy? It's possible. I think we'll get some of those answers in training camp and in the preseason. But I go back to when he was drafted by Kansas City Chiefs. And who was the Chiefs quarterback at that time? our current starter, Alex Smith. So he probably has a pretty good knowledge of what Hogan can do. Again, it's going to really depend on what he does over the next couple of months in training camp and in the preseason. But for now, I think that's the thinking of the Redskins brass, or at least the Redskins coaches. Yeah, Ken, I agree with you. I love the acquisition of Kevin Hogan. He was a guy who, when he was in the draft, I really wanted him. I thought, you know, ever since Kirk Cousins took the reins over a starter, his future with Washington was uncertain. So I thought Kevin Hogan was a guy, he's a local kid, that's going to always go well with the fans. I think he's the perfect guy you can come in and groom to be a long-term backup or maybe a spot starter for you. I want to look at the running back position. I see that you have Capri Bibbs making the team as the four starter. I want to see what you think he can provide to the team that gets him that four spot and why you think they would decide to keep four guys at that spot. I'm basing it on last year's numbers, and they kept four. Uh, and we certainly didn't have the depth that we do now. At that time, we had to take basically what we had. And Rob Kelly, when, you know, when he came in as an undrafted free agent, he provided some good moments for us. But beyond that, he was dependable to get two, three, four yards, and that's good. Yeah. But so, sometimes you need seven or eight yards. And when you can establish that on first down, well, now you're giving your quarterback more options on second down. And Rob Kelly, he would get tackled in the backfield, mm-hmm. and he could still gain one or two yards. But I think Darius Geis is going to be able to do that and more. He, you know, He's going to be the starter. And I think with uh, Samaji Piran, I still think, you know, based on where they drafted him last year, he's going to still make the team. Hopefully he can build on his rookie season. And then you would have as a third stringer, Rob Kelly, 
or Kapir Bibbs. I think Bibbs brings a different change of pace for the team. He's someone that can break a very long run. Can he hit a home run, hit a 60, 70-yard touchdown run? It's possible, maybe not likely. I don't think he has that kind of breakaway speed. But he is someone that can come in, pick up 20, 30 yards on a run or two. I think that if you had that change of pace back, that can come in for four or five plays a game, then Capri is that guy. Obviously, Chris Thompson is your third down, your pass catching back. We understand that. So it's not any questions what his role is. But I think it will come down to Rob Kelly. So he might have that edge, and I understand that. Again, we'll see what happens in training camp and the preseason games. I give right now, just based on last year, I give it to Bibbs. Yeah, I agree with you. And by all accounts, Rob Kelly's looking a lot better in there, and he seemed to form a pretty good relationship with Darius guys, so that, as a mentor aspect, may keep him around in addition to their production and how much Jay Gruden loves him. Jumping to the wide receiver spot, I see that you have Simi Cobbs on there and you have Robert Davis going to the practice squad. Robert Davis is a guy we know that they they drafted last year. They love his athleticism, what he can do, his upside. They brought him up towards the end of the season, didn't really get much production out of him. I want to see why you think that Simi Cobbs, who hasn't really done anything yet, makes the squad over Robert Davis, a guy who they've kind of had in-house. They, they love what his ceiling, why an undrafted rookie comes in over him. Yeah, you know, um, Davis was, what, drafted in the sixth round last year. And with the injury to a starter, and that's now gone, I won't name him, but he does play (laughs) for the New York Jets now. He's good on that jugs machine, I tell you. (laughs) I just just thought that Davis would come in, thought he could have five or ten catches in those games, but it was Brian Quick, the one who stepped up. That's one of the reasons I have Quick, you know, making the roster, just based on last year. Sammy Cobbs, yes, we really honestly don't know. And I'm just kind of basing it on what Davis did or really didn't do toward the end of the season. Mm -hmm. That's really my own rationale for it. It wouldn't surprise me, and I'll probably have another roster prediction. Probably will have Davis making the roster over Cobbs. You know, Cobbs, I'm pretty sure, is set being on the practice squad. Yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you bring him up last year, he doesn't really provide much of anything. It's hard to guarantee him a spot over a guy who was highly touted in college as Simi Cobbs and many thought he could be drafted in the later rounds. Yeah, and if I could jump in here too, um, Ken, I actually completely agree with you. I think Simi Cobbs should make the final roster. I loved his potential. I had him as a potential day two pick in the draft. Uh, the one the one receiver that I'm not convinced should make the final roster is Brian Quick. And part of the rationale behind that, at least for me, is last year he saw some action but didn't see a lot in spite of the injuries. Now, uh, I guess my question to you, Ken, is do you think that do you think that Quick could see some more action this year, or is he there mainly just to serve as veteran depth for the squad if they need him? I lean toward veteran depth. It will depend largely on how much of a rapport he can establish, not only within the wide receiving core, but with Alex Smith. Frankly, I don't see that, but I just give him right now, for for this particular moment, and this uh, lower recent roster prediction, I just give him the benefit of the doubt because he is a veteran. That's the only reason why. I would not be surprised if after we learn some things in training camp, after the first preseason, first preseason game <laughs> or two, that we see some of these young players, whether it be a semi-cos, maybe even a Cam Sims, jump ahead of Brian Quick. Quick is one of the first 
uh, players to be released when they trim down to 75 players. Just for now, he provides the veteran presence, but that's it. That's where I stop it. Yeah, I completely understand that, Ken. I think what you've laid out makes a lot of sense. Depending on what we see out of Cobbs, and I'm glad you mentioned Cam Sims because that dude is tall and he's been impressive during uh, at least workouts. So if he parlays that into a good training camp, there's a chance he could beat out quick too. And we don't necessarily talk about him as much, but I think he deserves some love. Uh, Now switching to the other side of the ball, if I can, I've noticed that you have five cornerbacks on your final roster. And the one man that's sort of, I guess I would call him missing, would be Josh Holsey not making the roster, being on the practice squad. I'm fairly certain the Redskins kept six cornerbacks for most of last year. What's your thought process on not having Holsey make it and uh, stashing him on the practice squad? Well, I think that would be taking a chance. But when I look at a Wiley veteran like Orlando Skandrick coming in, I think he's going to play the Bill Blackman role this year. Will Blackman, for about, what, two or three years there, was a dependable backup. And when we had injuries to players, he could come in and was a pretty reliable corner. He wasn't a shutdown corner, but he was pretty reliable. I look at someone like Greg Stroman, a rookie that we drafted in the seventh round. I think he makes the squad not just as a cornerback, but I think he also makes as a punt returner. I think he's really going to push for a starting position there as punt returner, and that, in essence, gives him a roster spot. Baby and Monroe, Quentin Dunbar, Josh Norman, we all know are going to be there. To me, the interesting person here uh, in this group is Kenny Ladler. Uh, Generally, Mm. plays as safety, but also can play cornerback. Uh, I see him as someone that could play in the slot at times, maybe drop back into the so-called strike safety role. Um, That's kind of the uh, person I'm looking at that possibly makes it over Josh Holsey. But again, I go back to what happens in the next few weeks. Holsey could really, truly impress because he has one thing that some of the other corners don't have, and that's speed, just sheer raw speed. And I think that's something that could elevate him within the first week or two of training camp in the first preseason game. Yeah, no, for sure. I totally understand all your arguments. Yeah, I could definitely see Olsey making the squad because of the speed. But like you said, we got to see how Skandrick works in that offense. We'll see. We're at that point. We're going to start seeing what all these guys are able to do and uh, figure out a way to get them on the roster of the practice squad. I think with some of the positions we've already talked about, what's shaping up in training camp is going to be a spirited battle at many positions. And the roster predictions that we're making now, anything that we predict now, may be totally blown out of the water by mid-August. It wouldn't surprise me if several of the players that we mentioned here that we think are going to be making the team don't because of some of these younger players coming up or maybe some of the ones that have been here a year or two step up even more after last year. And it's just going to be a spirited battle. So I I look at my roster prediction now, and I can see seven or eight guys that I have listed making it, maybe not making it. Yeah, it's interesting you brought up Kenny Ladler because 
you know, he, he's an interesting player. He's not super fast. He's got four seven speed, so he's not he doesn't have the top end speed, but he's super physical. And, you know, he is kind of versatile. So if they want to put him in the box or at strong safety, or maybe, you know, he could probably be a good gunner and on special teams too. So, you know, he's one of those guys who's kind of flying under the radar. Another guy who's flying under the radar who I just need to mention because of his name and his game, Fish Smithson, uh, he's he's got some traits that uh, bode well for him as a free safety. I mean, did you have him on your practice squad? I forgot. I had him on the practice squad. Okay, okay, good, good. <laughs> You know, when I posted a link to Rego's Rag over a BGO, a couple people kind of questioned me about leaving Fishmithson off the roster. And I said, you know, I, I believe he will be at the very least on the practice squad. But again, he's another one of these players that could step up in his second year yeah. and surprise us. Yeah, there's a lot of players like that on the roster, and you hit the nail right on the head earlier. I mean, what we predict right now, uh, it could be nothing like what we see down the road. And I want to I wanna just give my thoughts on your receivers real, real quick, and then we'll go, we'll transition to something else. But uh, I do agree with you on Brian Quick. I've always been an advocate of uh, his veteran presence. You know, he, I think he's like three years older than the next guy on the roster. And last season, he only had like seven receptions, but the year before he was coming off like his a career year. Like he had 44 receptions over 500 yards. So I think he's got the ability. I know his season was shortened by a concussion last year, so he'd be good insurance for them. I think they like him more than a lot of fans do. I also like Robert Davis, though. If, if I had to pick, it would be Robert Davis and Brian Quick. Just because Davis, he's he's six foot three, but he's also got four four three speed. So he, he's fast. He's tall, you know. But it, it all depends on the potential. Like you said, you know, anything can happen down the road. Yeah, let me bring up one player that we haven't mentioned amongst the wide receivers, and that's Maurice Harris. Hey. Now, this is my thought on him. We've seen the poten- potential over the last three years, and I think we've all been excited at one point or another. But he's had three years. At what yeah. point did he need to step up? Was it in his second year, in his third year? I don't know. I just... I'm not saying that he won't make the roster, but at what point did we expect him to step up? I haven't fully seen it yet, and so that's why I think his position on this roster is very tenuous. I agree with you. I think uh, all the fans get enamored by that one-handed catch he had against the Vikings last year, which, no disrespect, that was an amazing catch, but it speaks volumes when he hasn't separated himself in what's been a weak receiving position for a long time, you know. And you look at Davis, he's the young up-and-comer in that group, you know, coming off a year where he soaked in knowledge and learned he's got more athletic ability. So, you know, I, I think Harris, I don't know if he's got enough tools to separate. You know, he's, he's definitely got the contested catchability, but it's going to be interesting because there's a lot of guys in the back with that sort of skill set. So it's definitely going to be interesting to piece together. And right now, there's really no wrong answer when you say, oh, who's the last two receivers going to be? So it's it's going to be interesting. And Simi Cobbs is a guy who can break in there, too. He's got a lot of the same traits. He's a really good athlete. So it's, it's interesting and it's exciting. Yeah, I agree with you, Ken. Maurice Harris, to me, is, like you said, he's that guy. He's been around for a while. We've seen flashes, but he's never been able to string it together. I'm over him, and to be in the same breath, in the same way, I'm kind of at my wit's end with Josh Doxon in the sense of being a first-round pick, showing flashes, but not being able to string the consistency together. But that's a different conversation for a different day. Another guy I see that you left off here is Martrell Spate on the linebacking group, but you have Sean Deion Hamilton on the squad. 
I wanted to see where you stand on the potential of Marshall Spate staying because you, you you don't have him on here at all. Don't even mention him that much. But with Sean Dean Hamilton not being fully healed, do you think he could stick around or are you just over him? Do you think that they're going to do away with him? Because he has been inconsistent also. He has dealt with injuries, but on the flip side, he's been he's shown flashes. And with a starting crew as Zach Brown and Mason Foster, who may get hurt, may not, to have hit that depth, a guy who's been here, I think that that's a valuable piece. What do you think? I think the deal with him, with Spate, is he is a good special teamer. As far as uh, his impact at middle linebacker, it hasn't fully been there. But a lot will depend on the health of Sean Dion Hamilton. We don't know where that is right now. And, we may, and we'll probably get answers in the next few weeks. And if the Redskins decide to go ahead and put Hamilton on injured reserve, then Spate will make the roster. I'm pretty sure of that. And, but he will make it because of special teams. Yes, he'll still be a backup middle linebacker. But here's another thing. He's only 24 years old. We make it sound like he's been around a few years, and he has. But he came in at age 20 out of Arkansas. So he can still have an impact. But I feel like this training camp and this preseason, he needs to take the next step. Otherwise, if Hamilton does show us being healthy, he's the one I have making the roster over Spade. If I may interject real quick here, I, I think I saw a report a few weeks ago that said Hamilton was like, he said himself, he was like 90% healthy or something. I, it is something to keep an eye on. Sure. Yeah. And if I could jump in, I completely agree with you, Ken, on the fact that Martrell Spate will only make the roster if he flashes on special teams. I I think that I'm hoping that Sean Dion Hamilton is healthy because I would prefer the Redskins not keep Martrell Spate because in the past couple of years that I've watched him, I just haven't seen enough consistent play at the middle linebacker position when called upon to warrant keeping him. As a special teamer, you could do it. But when you have guys like Sean Dion Hamilton and Josh Harvey Clemens who look like they're ready to make the next step and possibly be backups, and I love how Zach Vigil played last year after being signed off the street. I know he had spent time with the Redskins organization, but he really looked like a solid uh, run defender and just did a good job of coming in and taking over when called upon. So I, I firmly agree with you that I would like to see Martrell not make the roster if all the linebackers are healthy. It sounds like we're all piling on Spade. I'm not fully there yet, but I have to agree with that assessment. He hasn't shown too much. You know, his first couple years, he shined on special teams. Again, that's his forte. And that's the only reason right now why he would make the roster. I agree with Zach Vigil assessment. He's someone that I didn't have making the team at this time last year. But injuries forced him into a role. And my goodness, he took off with it. I was really impressed. And I think he's going to build on that, and that's why I think he's already penciled in as a, uh, a prime backup. I agree with you there, Ken. And the, the thing for me is it's the main difference here between Spate and Vigil, in my opinion. You look at Vigil. He was cut by the Redskins early in the season, only to be brought back after injuries. Then he was thrown into the fire as a starter very shortly after coming back to the team. And he held his own and played solid. And he wasn't anything great, but he had the makings of a potential top backup, a guy who you could rely on if your starter went down. Martrell Spate, I believe it was his second year in 2016, had to start a game late in the year against the Carolina Panthers, a game that if the Redskins had won, it possibly could have 
made it very difficult for them not to make the playoffs. And I remember watching him in that game, and he just looked lost in coverage. He just didn't look entirely comfortable at the position. And I know he's had another year of growth after that, but just the two different assessments of seeing Spate thrown into the fire after two years with the team and Vigil thrown into the fire after maybe a year with the team. Uh, that That's really what did it for me in terms of me wanting Vigil more than Spate. But again, as you said earlier, we're kind of piling on Spate. I, I don't mean anything against him. I just, of the six inside linebackers on the roster, he's probably the one I could live with parting with the most. I can't argue that. I forgot about that Carolina game. I'm glad you brought it up. I felt like we had a reasonable chance in that game. And I, I watched him try to cover, draw back in coverage. And I think that's where he appeared to be lost the most. I was really, really bothered by that. And I thought last year he was going to be cut then. But again, he made the roster. But I think this year, his, once again, his position on this team is very tenuous. You know, got to give credit to Spate. You know, he's a he's a good run stopper. Uh, he's pretty physical. So I think this is a good problem to have. You look at how many good serviceable options we have at linebacker. And there's some guys on the rise. I mean, Sean Dion Hamilton, if he can get healthy and stay healthy, you know, he's a talented player. He's got the speed to cover the entire middle of the field. You know, he's a physical player in his own right. So he's good. Zach Vigil played very well last year, although he's 27 years old. So he's, he's a bit older than people might think, but he's still a very good player. And then Josh Harvey Clemens, too he's got the range so a lot of good stuff and a lot of good conversations here uh we're going to transition into our closing thoughts our rigos wrap up if you will we're just going to go around the table one thing on your mind just about redskins football or whatever i'll go first because I, I need to get this off of my chest quentin dunbar they were teasing a number change and i haven't seen it confirmed yet and it's really bugging me because you guys saw the uh, instagram post where he was in number 23 right i mean i saw that and right when everyone saw that it was just a backlash against his number 47 and personally i love number 47 i love the long sleeves and the retro look and everything so man i just i need closure there i need closure what do you guys think about that give me 47 all day every let's go day. let's go yeah I, I think i like 47 too i think 23 is so synonymous with d'angelo hall that it would almost be weird seeing somebody else wear it at least that early if I'm not mistaken, he also, when he, that picture was out, he had the shorter sleeves. Am I correct in that? Yeah, he, he had the short long, sleeves. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm all for that. I think those long sleeves are so ugly. I hate when the quarterbacks have them. I hate when Byron Maxwell has them. I hate when players <laughs> have those. So I hope he sticks with 47, but I hope he just cuts those sleeves off and gets it, you know, a little bit shorter. I can't stand having that extra fabric hanging, flapping around. <laughs> Ken, I'm pegging you as a 47 guy. Am I right? Okay, here we go. <laughs> Going to give it to you straight. <laughs> no, I prefer him to stay with 47. At first, when he was assigned that number a couple, three seasons ago, I saw it as Chris Cooley's number. Chris Cooley was number 47. Yeah. But after about a year, I was okay with it, and he's been there ever since. It would just seem weird, seem different. Something that just wouldn't seem right about him in the 23. The 23 probably needs to be not necessarily retired but not use for a couple more years yeah. and then bring it back for someone else. The 23 right now is a special number to many fans, just like the 47 was with Chris Cooley for a number of years. But, you know, I think everybody now associates uh, the 47 with Quentin Dunbar, and that's where what I'd like to see. 
Yeah, I agree with you, Ken. Now, uh, a little bit more off topic here, but the top 100 has come out. Uh, I don't think the episode of 10 through 1 has aired yet, but we know that Alex Smith isn't on that. A lot of I've seen a lot of Redskins Twitter disappointed for the Alex Smith snub, if you will. Where do you stand on that? Where do you think he should have been ranked? You know, this is a poll of players throughout the league, and I understand that. And to me, that carries a significant amount of importance, a significant amount of weight, if you will. And that speaks volumes to me. And I'm trying to figure out why they did this. And maybe they see all the offensive weapons that Kansas City has, and they have some really good ones. And maybe they see that, hey, any quarterback can come in there and perform as Alex Smith did last year. I'm not saying Patrick Mahomes is going to come in and do what Alex Smith did last season. But it'll be interesting to see if he can come close to duplicating that. I don't know. I really don't know. And maybe all those offensive weapons are the real deal. And we'll see what Alex Smith does this coming season. But to me, it was a little bit of an insult. Where do you think, if you were to have a sound list, where would you have ranked him? I think if you went with the first 10 years he was in the league, I can understand leaving him off the list. Mm -hmm. I I personally would have put him in the latter half, maybe even the latter three quarters. But I think this past year, considering the offensive weapons he had, I wouldn't have gone below, say, a ranking of 50. Oh, wow. Yeah, I would have. I, I, was, I, know, I was texting Ian and Jacob the other day. I would have had him anywhere from between 60 and 75 just because I think you factor in the weapons he does have, the little bit of a slump that they had. But, I mean, still, he had a great year. He was, you know, through the first quarter of the season, they were talking MVP candidate. What do you guys think, Ian, Jacob? Yeah, I'll, I'll go first. I, I look at the quarterbacks on the list. I mean, wasn't Kirk Cousins at 90? Case Keenum was at 51. I mean, Case Keenum was good last year. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to slight him because he was good and he deserved to succeed. But Alex Smith, through, I think through seven or eight weeks, he had not thrown an interception. He'd thrown 16 touchdowns, no interceptions. He finished the year with over 4,000 yards, 26 touchdowns, and five interceptions. That's That's more than efficiency. That's effectiveness. And, you know, he wasn't so consistent. He had a little bit of a slump late in the year. You know, I think if you look at where the quarterbacks are ranked, you know, relative to each other, I mean, you look at Case Keenum, he's 51. I'd assume Smith has to at least be above that, you know, if we're being reasonable. But then again, I wouldn't have had Case Keenum up there. I wouldn't have even had Keenum on the top 100 if I was doing it. So looking at where the list is right now, I would have had Smith somewhere uh, 30 to 50. What do you think, Jacob? Yeah, so I I agree with you. The list tends to overvalue quarterbacks. That makes it all the more surprising that Smith didn't make the list. I would have put him in probably the 60 to 70 range. I would have put him above Case Keenum. I don't think Case maybe even belongs in the top 100, maybe in the back 10. But just for some context, like the players may have learned from previous rankings. If you look at the NFL top 100 players of 2016, the number 12 overall player in that is Carson Palmer. And that was after Carson Palmer had like a career year with the Cardinals and he kind of rocketed up the board there. And then the next year he regressed back to what he normally did. So I don't know if the players are factoring in the fact that Smith could regress in his first year in Washington, but even still, he should have made the list. He should have at least been in the eighties. I don't see why he wasn't on there and Kirk and Case were. We're talking about the NFL top 100 players. Ryan Kerrigan probably deserves to be on oh there. Oh my never goodness. Gets love. Like I'm looking at the Madden ratings for 2019 because I love Madden. And <laughs> he's not even rated an 80 or above according to the early rankings. So not enough love for Ryan Kerrigan out there right now. Don't know what you guys think. He got like no, 13.5 I... sacks last year or something. I mean, this guy, he's on pace to 
hit the 100 sack club. I mean, come on. I, I've never seen someone as underrated as Kerrigan. And, you know, I'll be the first to admit he's not flashy. You know, it's weird because he's not super athletic. He just gets the job done. But you got to give respect when it's due. And I don't see them respecting him. You know, they got to put some respect on that guy's name. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Kerrigan's not going to be a Von Miller, uh, what, 17 to 20 sack guy. But he's year in, year out, a model of consistency. He's going to get you double-digit sacks. He's going to work hard. Now, he does falter a little bit. and I mean, the guy's paid to get you sacks. He does it as well as anybody in the league other than the elite. Um, so that's what talking about the top 100 snubs. Can we can we all just agree that there's a complete bias to skill positions and that Trent Williams, who is constantly playing down the stretch with what should be IR injuries for any other player, he's out there performing, not letting up sacks, and he never gets ranked within the top 20. I mean, I, I, I know left tackle isn't glamorous like running back receiver, defensive player, but I think that's ridiculous. I think if you're going to look at the guy who's going to come in, he's arguably the best left tackle in the league. Year in, year out, he's always battling pain, always battling through injury, and he's never respected by his peers to be ranked higher than, what, the mid-40s? Yeah, I think they just have it out for for the Redskins, honestly. You know, only one player on our roster in the top 100. I mean, I could deal with three because we don't have a lot of playmakers, but, I mean, come on. Our roster is better than that, and I hope we get a chance to prove it this year. I hope we can stay healthy. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Ken? I'll uh, give the last few seconds to you. Uh, any Anything on your mind? Maybe you want to recap your roster projections or anything? Just something to close us out? I want to go to something that could happen in the next two or three weeks, and that's when we have the supplemental draft. I don't think we're going to go after Neil, who's the top corner. Sam Beal. going to be available. Yeah, yeah. that's it. I, I don't think we're going to go after him. But let's keep in mind, we have 11 picks next year. I think we go after Adonis Alexander. Uh, I would love that. Torian Gray is very familiar with them. And something slipped through the other day I don't think a lot of people caught. Um, The Redskins worked out Alexander this past week. And, of course, Gray was there. Coach Gray was there. And he's intimately aware of what Alexander can do. And I wouldn't be surprised if we tried to put a fifth-round pick on him. That would give us 10 picks for next year. More than enough. I think the supplemental draft is on July 11th. The Redskins, you know, I'm pretty high on their secondary, but, you know, getting more young, talented players is always a good option. So we're out of time. Make sure to tune in next week. We'll have some good stuff for you as always. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out. Have a good night.